0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the 14th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor in chief of thepopreak.com, and I will serve as your host for this episode. I am joined this week by the always reluctant and newly haircut uh, managing editor of thepopbreak.com. His name is Al Manorino. Al, how does it feel to get all that weight off your
1: dome? Oh my god, it feels amazing. Uh, Hi everybody, and uh, happy Father's Day, Bill. Happy Father's Day to you, Alfred. We are recording on Father's Day. Uh, We picked a guest specifically this week who is not a father. Well, he is a
0: father of all things meat and uh, junior hockey.
1: I was just going to say the same thing. He is our producer extraordinaire, uh, resident metal and... uh, God, uh, Archer. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the other things that he's an expert of on on the site, besides metal, mm. and meat, uh, uh, beer. Beer. Thank you, beer.
2: Lucas. Lucas Jones. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, impressive praise. Uh, P stands for uh, porter. <laughs> Porterhouse P- steak. Porter beer. Yeah, exactly. The, the the P is uh, is legally redacted so that I can stay off the grid and no one can find me, except for at my Twitter handle, which is very public knowledge. So there you go. Like, I've failed like, spectacularly.
0: You're like a young Jesse the Body Ventura. You're off the grid, <laughs> except we know exactly where you are. At all <laughs> at, times. At all
2: times, because yeah. I can't stop doing press interviews.
0: Uh, yeah, and you also <laughs> love just throwing up spicy memes.
2: Exactly. That's it.
0: So, Lucas, uh, so Al has to do some research real quick. Um, it could be code for going to the bathroom, or it could be code for Al didn't prepare for the episode. Uh, the world may never know. <laughs> Hint. I don't think he has to go to the bathroom. Um, so, Lucas, what did you grill up this weekend since it's Father's Day? I, I, I was telling you guys, I grilled up a, a couple nice uh, boneless ribeyes. Would you grill up this weekend? Because you know you
2: did. Ah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting is that I uh, am currently in between grills. Um, however, I can tell you that I made some plans for the Fourth of July grilling. Um, so I little preview uh, for those of you who potentially will, will uh, be also grilling on the Fourth. I think I've chosen um, a couple of St. Louis style spare ribs. Uh, I'm not a fan of the baby backs because they're smaller and harder to control. Um, also not a fan like, of like
0: real life babies
2: Yeah, exactly like real life babies um i try to avoid them because you cannot reason with them um, they just to. decide when they're done and then there's nothing you can do um but yeah i've i've true. chosen some spare ribs i think i'm gonna go with a house seasoning blend that i've spent the last year trying to figure out um pro tip most online seasoning blends have way too much salt just cut the salt in half and for the love of god use kosher not table salt um, what, about but yeah, sea, so some, what
0: about sea salt?
2: Sea salt is fine as long as it's kosher because kosher salt is um, a larger granule size. So it's actually mm. less salty. Um, and so you have more forgiveness when using kosher salt than using a finer table salt.
0: I can see that. I mean, I have no idea what I'm talking about.
2: Yeah. And then I, I have one other recipe that I'm working on, which is um, a breakfast pulled pork. So it's pulled pork. Ooh. That goes in that is sandwiched sandwich inside uh, cornbread pancakes um, Shut the with, door. A, with like a and the whole the theme that's going to tie those two things together is rosemary and thyme, which are ingredients in breakfast sausage. So yes. I'm hoping that that will be a brunch staple oh. coming soon.
0: That sounds amazing. I got my griddle. I got my breakfast kit. Uh, unfortunately, my niece broke my pancake batter dispenser immediately mm. after I got it. <laughs> <laughs> laughed at me and i got really pissed which was the first time she's ever seen me really pissed and i made her. how long cry. have you had it, it i had broken. it for literal i had it for eight hours like oh my God. i opened it up out of the box put it on my counter she did something broke it and i'm like what and she's like ah yeah it's broken
2: and i was just like Aah! and she's like oh <laughs> someone uh, awoke some beast was a woman that's that's fair though. I mean that's that's one of those incredibly specific tools that only get brought out but when – you need it.
0: Yeah. Because like, I was going to make breakfast that's... that day and it was like it got broken mm-hmm. immediately. But I got my bacon press. I got the perfect egg molds. so Nice. Well, sure you
2: could be whipping up breakfast sandwiches then.
0: I might be. I might be. I told my daughter I'd be doing some – we're still stalling for Al. Uh, I'm going to be doing uh, Mickey Mouse pancakes for her she should, and I'll put like a little uh, strawberries for the boat to make it mini for her. Is, you know.
2: Very nice. I love that. I feel like you've got the the griddle set up. Like for for those of you who are grilling uh, at home and and looking for something to improve your grilling experience, I feel like there's there's two things you really need to to get. The first thing is a griddle top, which Bill, you have been just raving about all the uh, time.
0: I do. I love it, man. It was like forty bucks. I got it online mm-hmm. from Lowe's. It's literally a piece of steel that's like raised, and you just you just put it on there man and you could make all sorts of delicacies i really i i really wanted to get like the full rig but that's mm-hmm. so ex- it's so expensive i,
2: could, I know I could it's it's so expensive and then you just you end up like not using parts of it and and that can that can be tough but i think the other thing and and especially you were talking about this when you're talking about grilling up ribeyes with some olive oil and some butter is a set of stainless steel or, or steel bowls. Oh, yeah. Um, steel bowls are Because great. you can keep like like basting sauces and like juices and different garlic butters to baste like burgers and steaks and chicken. And you just keep it on the off burner on the side of your grill. It's heat, it heats everything up. It keeps it warm. It helps everything infuse. And uh, a nice little grill mop. And, and you got yourself a good setup.
0: Don't have a grill mop yet. But the thing you could do with those bowls is, man, you, you get on the griddle and then you just pour the uh, pour the beer, beer steam your burger. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I, I, I will credit ai am
2: going to be – I got to be hungover at your house soon I think is is what this has sounded like. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, 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 when I grill, like I have literally no cooking talents, but for some reason I can grill.
2: And there Today, was, today making
0: need. steaks was the first time I wasn't drinking while grilling because the last time I drank while I grilled, we forgot Bill Bodkin because that <laughs> is bad. <laughs> so now that Dallas fully caught up. Let's get into our big talking point, Al.
1: Seriously. I, I, what? The what fuck? the fuck? What the actual fuck? So close. We almost think that. I, I thought we were still on uh, the Man on Meat Pod. I didn't know we were doing socially distant. <laughs> that sounds really weird.
0: But uh, I know, <laughs> um, Al. Why don't you set us up on everything that's going on right now?
1: Because this oh, father man. is
0: wildly exhausted.
1: Yeah, so it's uh, it's been a strange week to say the least in terms of uh, entertainment and Hollywood. Uh, I would not be would not want to be a, a male right now in Hollywood. That's just a little side thing I want to definitely say at this moment. But um, yeah, everyone as a- in Hollywood,
0: men in Hollywood, and all entertainment and
1: just in general, don't be a piece of shit. Yeah, it's, that's that's a good rule to live by. Um, but going on to the actual, what the fuck this week? And don't week, let other men be pieces of shit. Sorry, that we had yes. to also put that. <laughs> we also had to Correct. throw that little caveat in there. So throw, throw uh, that in there as well. But yeah, so uh, AMC theaters, um, like the rest of the world, is super anxious for things to get normal again. Uh, I, for one, uh, took a day uh, a two day trip to Delaware, where the 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 city is basically reopened, um, and it kind of felt. Normal outside of people wearing masks indoors and uh, outside while walking around, but uh, AMC is you know hemorrhaging money and has been wanting to reopen. Um, you know we've we've talked about tenant a couple of pods ago mm-hmm. um, about how kind of Christopher Nolan is spearheading this, like let's bring movies back into theaters and let's get everything open by July. We're about So forty uh, days
0: he- away from that release, by the way.
1: Yeah, exactly. So. Um, AMC recently, uh, uh, earlier it last week, they announced that they would be <laughs> reopening in July for basically the release of *Tenet* and the rest of the summer movies that have not been postponed, um, with a little, little caveat that they won't require, um, uh, their theater goers to wear a mask. And their reasoning is they didn't want to get political, mm. um, um, and then, yeah, everyone was okay with it and, uh, everything's fine. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, I guess, wait. Is I that guess that alternate <laughs> reality that, I mean, I guess we'll just move on to the next topic. Yeah. Uh, no. So, um, they immediate backlash from people like, obviously, um, if you can't go get a haircut without wearing a mask, why would you want to be in a room with, you know, upwards to a hundred people. I'm thinking like IMAX screens have, uh, have a ton of people, um, you know, inhaling popcorn and breathing everywhere and walking past you and falling on you. You know how theaters are. Um, so yeah, they, they immediately retracted their, uh, their statement and said that they would require people to wear masks. But guys, that means theaters are opening up, uh, or at least starting to. And, uh, I really don't know how I feel about this, especially someone who is dying to see Tenet. Uh, I don't want to die seeing Tenet, though. So yeah. what do so we do? really doing? on point with these puns here, pal.
0: Thank uh, you. Uh, it's the yeah. sour mug. Uh Lucas, you're the guest of honor. <laughs>
2: um, well, so I, I think my opinion on this is colored by the fact that I Never am actually back to work. Well, I'm actually back to work, uh, for the USPHL. And, uh, we just went to the Chicago combine in Dyer, Indiana and they had to, you know, you have to move it because obviously the rinks in Illinois are not open. And I was, I was impressed with the number of players and coaches off the ice who were wearing masks. I was also a little bit worried about the people in the bars and restaurants who were just not wearing masks. Um, First of all, I want to say, do these companies not have anyone working in their PR department? Who who okay's a release like that and been like, yep, yeah, because that has to go through like brainstorming and like construction and then proofread and then edits. How does that get out to the general public?
1: Well, it was I think I think the, the theater's announcement didn't say anything about the masks. It was like the CEO who commented on it and said mm-hmm. that we don't want to get into this cuz it's going to be you know it, we didn't it's want to he's get just into firing it.
2: something off yeah I mean, it, I mean it's 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 i i think that they obviously should be forcing people to wear masks cuz people have proven that they're not going to um and i think with the amount of you look at sports you look at guys like Austin Matthews who uh for the the Maple Leafs who just tested positive for coronavirus but the goalie who is staying with him isn't yeah the, um, um,
0: the whole bunch of Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, exactly
2: so tested. like For what? For like a movie? And, you know, I I have very little sympathy, I think, for people who don't want to wear masks. Uh, I think they're big babies. And uh, I just think that the, the level of sacrifice that people are willing to make has fallen so quickly in just, what, two generations since the greatest generation of World War II. So you're dealing with essentially the kids of the greatest generation who are refusing to wear masks. So I have no sympathy for them. I think AMC should be forcing all, everyone that walks in to wear masks and they should be aggressively removing patrons who don't wear them. And I think that end of story,
0: but here's, here's, yeah. here's, my, here's my, here's my thing to that though. Okay. Okay. I walk in, I have my mask on. Now we don't know the setup of how everything is going to be. You mm-hmm. assume, you know, not every, unless you're in a party, you know, not every seat's going to be filled. We're not going to be on top of each other. Who's watching the theater? So I just go whoosh, mask off. You know, you're in a dark room. Like it's mm-hmm. not like you're in a restaurant. Like where there are certain rules. Um, I thought of Big Lebowski. I'm like this isn't nom nah, smoky. There are <laughs> rules here. Like you know, like when you go to a restaurant in New Jersey, where we're located, you have to when you approach um, the seating area. You have to be masked. You have to be masked until you get to your table. Then you could take your mask off. If you're going to go to the bathroom or go to a bar, go do anything from when you stand up, that mask has to be on. And if you're restaurant management, you can see that because, like, there there is very limited outdoor dining. That's what we have right now. So people can see that. In a movie theater, yeah, I mean, I could walk in. I could buy my ticket with a mask on. I could buy my concessions with a mask on if they're even selling them. And then I could walk in and unless you're like the one or two times I went to screenings where it was like, oh, hey, I have, we have someone with night vision goggles on to make sure no one's recording this. Like, how are you monitoring in, in pitch black if Al is wearing a mask now because while watching Tenet, you can't tell that. So to me, it's like, it's almost an unwinnable situation because like, how can you, how
1: can you tell? Like I mentioned before, when we were in Delaware, they started opening up the restaurants and the retail stores and everything, right? And they were requiring people to wear masks. But, example, I was in a restaurant and they required you to wear a mask while you walked in. And they required you to walk, uh, uh, wear a mask while you're walking around, going to the bathroom, yeah, like whatever, said, yeah. passing people. When you're sitting at your table, you can be spreading germs as much as you want, talking loud, whatever. doesn't matter. People are going to be walking past you you don't have a mask on. It's the complete opposite. Like it's, 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 it's almost nonsensical. Like I think that these, these new rules that they're going to put in place are going to be for nothing because cases have already, are already spiking again. Just recently, California reported 4,500 plus new cases on Sunday and it's the highest one day increase since the start of the pandemic. Well, well, they're that's talking not a, about
0: outside a, a week, that's a day.
1: Yeah, they're talking about a fall wave of this going to ha- like unless we get a cure or treatment of some sort, it's only going to get worse and whatever they end up doing is just like it's it's beneficial for the business, but not beneficial for the American people and the world. Um, when the when these things start opening up, and we talked about this with live sports too. It's like, yeah, okay, open up Yankee Stadium and and make or Giant Stadium whatever MetLife. It's Giant and, Stadium. Giant Stadium. Thank it will you. always But be. like open open all this stuff up, right? And you could put one person, three empty seats, another person. Guess what? Who is monitoring that that person's not going to just move over right next to their girlfriend or, you know, wear a mask when you're, you know, a thousand feet up in the air in the nosebleed section? Like, it's nonsense. It really is. Like, I just... Until we have a cure, it makes almost no sense for these places to start opening up, these live events. We've talked about this. We want these things back. We're not saying, like, we don't want them back. We're dying to have them back. I'm dying to shoot a concert. I'm dying to go see Tenet. I don't want to die doing those things, though. So we need to figure out a cure before we say, ah, you know what? It's been long enough. Let's just reopen the country. But it's also – d- oh, sorry. Go ahead,
2: No, I, I just uh- – the first thing is, I I think that the way that you get people back in is you set up each theater with an infrared camera, and you have someone who essentially is loss prevention. And the moment anyone takes their mask off inside the theater, they call down to security, and security just removes them, no warning, no strikes, no nothing. And if you if you do it that way, at least it knocks the message into their heads. Um, but the the second thing is that it's it's unfortunate that we're at the point of saying. Well, you're going to need a cure because other countries have proven this is manageable if the citizens do their jobs. And their job right now is to put on a mask. So it's, it's sad to have to sit here and say that oh, we just have to wait for a cure when all we have to do is put a piece of fabric over our faces. It's really not that hard. And honestly, mass defeat facial recognition technology. So I think it's a huge plus because now I can be even more off the grid and protecting my fellow countrymen all at the same time. So I just don't – it's a failure of messaging for obvious reasons that it's a different podcast, but it's just – it's a simple solution. It's everybody has to wear a mask for the good of everyone around them. But people have become such a way that that's just apparently not an option.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm in Target and you see 98% of people doing it. And then, but there's still a 2% who are just like wearing the mask around their chin or just taking it off, not wearing it. And you, people are saying, What are you doing? Oh, I just, oh, I forgot in the car. I'm running out real quick. And they're like, No, 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 no. That's not how it works.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you have to put it on. My convenience store, you, you, you just see this and you're like,
2: no. What are you doing? Just and shame if, them now. That's and then
0: people are just like, well, I'll just put my, my shirt over my face. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I had, I was at, we're getting dessert at Dairy Queen today. So I was in line for like an hour. So, what I would do if I got too hot, I would just crouch down real low and I would just pull the mask a little bit away from me so I get some fresh air and then pop back up. I mean, you could do that, you know, mm-hmm. as long as you're yeah. isolating yourself. I pulled down my mask at one point because they say, could you please announce that they can go to two lines? And no one was buying me. So I just yelled it. And even then, I'm just like paranoid because, mm-hmm. but it's like people just don't want to wear it. I mean, like, also, there are masks that are comfortable, like, there are thin, breathable masks. You just have to do the work to find it, and it's not mm-hmm. hard. It's called Amazon, and I know we're not, you know, people yeah. don't want to buy from there, but it's it. Walmart, Target, Shoprite.
2: Mas- masks are available at the Staples in New Jersey. Every single yeah. Staples that I've gone into, you could buy a box of fifty for ten dollars. It's not hard, and I, I just am tired of making s-
0: excuses. The convenience store which sells like cigars, champagne, motor oil, <laughs> diapers, and yep, and like so weird. I uh, have the weirdest convenience store. You, there's masks right there. There's like here's uh-huh. ten for five dollars, or five for ten dollars, or whatever it is.
2: Yeah, S- stupid cheap. I don't. I don't think masks
1: are the answer. Like, I, all right, another example. I went. Uh, they op- reopened up the uh, Cape May County Zoo, and we took uh, my uh, eighteen-month-old son Parker. Um, we took him because he loves the animals and he knows how, uh, all the animal noises, and he had the he had a blast. Face mask required throughout the entire. Um, and, and basically they, they designated it as like uh just a ton of one way signs. So yeah. you'd follow a trail and go through, right? I would say fifty to sixty percent of the people weren't wearing wearing their masks because they're like, it's outside and no one's fucking monitoring me. We can't handle that, let alone in a dark movie theater. So, well, that's on the places too.
0: Like they have to, they have to start nutting up. How do you monitor? How many people are you going to hire to monitor a that's zoo? That's the
1: That's it's the, big. That's, that's, well, there's
2: 30 million people out of work. You got a lot of people who you could hire to monitor true. a zoo. But yeah, this,
1: but, but, but it's also free to enter the zoo, and they're taking donations.
0: Yeah, so there's a lot of places that it's like we say, like, oh, they could stock up, but if you're a movie theater, can you really afford at this point to mm-hmm. hire X amount of people? Who are to be in movie theaters, especially if you're probably going to be cutting the number yeah. of uh, showings you're going to have, and you, you know if you're not selling concessions, that's a lot of money you're going to be losing. and I'm not, sure, we don't know if they are or they aren't, mm-hmm. but there are restrictions, and there's going to be you know limited decreased compa- capacity, so you're going to even lose more money there. So you're like, okay, I'm going to hire 20 more people to like sit there with infrared goggles during tenant to watch people, which I do think is a good idea.
1: But at the same time, it's like, how is that possible? But imagine that theater experience. Imagine uh, you and Lucas are on a date, right? Because let's face it, it's happening. You, <laughs> you and Lucas are on a okay. date. All right. I mean, you just had it. You just went to, um, yeah, you just went to have a nice steak dinner, and you're like, all right, we're gonna go see Tenant now to, sure. to to fulfill the ultimate bro date of all time.
2: Sure.
1: You were in the theater you're wearing masks, you guys are six feet apart, you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing and then you see like a fleet of employees surrounding you, uh, surrounding the theater who are every few minutes going up to someone and saying, you need to be wearing your mask one more time you're out of here. How is that going to be when you're trying to enjoy tenant? Like that's well, uh, not a good experience.
0: Well, also, you have to think about how is that way less true I mean, it's a little more uh, paranoid, I guess, but it's like, how's that any less intrusive than, uh, excuse me, sir, what do you want to order right now? Doing it at a dine in a theater. <laughs> it's just like, here's your mozzarella sticks. Would you like anything else? Uh, Jesus Christ, Black Panther is, this is like a <laughs> climax of Black Panther. What are you asking me for? <laughs> oh, please, here's your bill. Don't forget to tip. Sir, it's
2: just like, it's. Sir, could, do, do you want a beer? The bar is closing, sir.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, you what, know, else, who- you know what else is closing? This is this is the climax. Please please, please go away. You know you what know, the same intrusion. <laughs> intrusion. You're just like it's it's just like it's like hello hello sir yeah can you can you sign on this in in the complete pitch pitch black dark or I could just shine my phone there so you could see it and oh yeah um, we're not going to tell you what happens with the thing with uh, when Leo spins the top at the end of Inception because you need to sign your
1: fucking check like we have we have the we have the dining theater the AMC theater by us and I refuse to go to have- those anyway. They have the little lights so you can um, – it's right near like where you click the button for assistance and also so you can like read the menu. Lucas has been there. He knows. You know who hates that? Those little lights? Logan Everybody. Fowler. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. And you Logan know, Fowler yeah, specifically. Yeah, Well, he'll
0: never be on this podcast. That's uh, right. But I mean it's – like how is that any less annoying when you're just going to be like people are like standing there?
1: I'm not How's talking it? about – I'm not talking about the – person interrupting your experience because they're telling someone that they need to put a mask on. It's the fucking asshole. That's going to get up and be like, I'm trying to watch a movie. I can't breathe. And like
0: ruins it for everyone in the Yeah. But I mean, you're also going to get like, you're going to get that Jesus. Let me tell you about the time I saw Spider-Man three. First off, that movie blows. (laughs) Secondly, I, but the trailer is great. Sure. I should um, sue for, like, false advertising. Um, But I was there on a Saturday at, like, noon. It was, like, opening weekend. Dude, people are yelling, screaming on the phone. Kids are running around the theater. That shit's going to happen. Like, you you will go to movies and there are obnoxious people. Like, so, to me, I don't have a problem with people being in there being like, it's like being at a concert and there's security and you see it all the time Al, Like, and Lucas, like, there's the, – the lights get flashed. You've been at Starland. The lights get flashed and the, 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 you know, the flying V comes in and they, they boot the person out. And like, yeah, that's an interruption but you forget about it. You know, so I don't mind that. It's just the economic feasibility of mm-hmm. having that.
2: They because should just of, hire the guys from Starland to come in and, oh, they'll, and they'll, they'll, take people out of the theater you have for a bunch not,
0: of, You have a bunch of former metal linebackers in there.
2: Those those guys could work their way through a pile of bricks cemented together.
0: Oh, dude. You know, and the last time I was there, you know what they did it for? Someone smoking a cigarette inside. Dude, there was a guy like 30 feet <laughs> to the left smoking a joint, and they were like, we do not care. But you you got that uh <laughs> That, you know, Virginia Slim in your mouth right now? Is it like
2: 1979? Yeah. Good lord. Buddy,
0: we are throwing your ass out. But (laughs) I just don't know how, like, and and it's, we are, the big reason we're opening back up is because, like, these companies are hemorrhaging money because we don't have the sustained, we don't have this great sustainable economy like Douche LaRue, our president says we do, because everything's a gig everything's part-time, everything's freelance, you know, and so we're all, everyone's desperate and they need to go back to work and we're just, these are all little band-aids. I know there's like phases, but like everyone says, well, we're, we're, you know, we're coming out of it. No, we plateaued like a lot of the country. We didn't, we didn't kill the curve. Like we flattened it to a plateau. It's not here. It's still here. And I'm like, of course, I'm doing uh-huh. it, like my hand jumped <laughs> Yeah, audio podcast, with a dingle! Um, it's just like we're still we we we're not out of the woods yet.
1: No, but cases have,
0: ro- cases rose in 18 states. Yeah, I mean, Florida was averaging a thousand a day. Yeah, I mean, I,
2: I will say this is that from from an econ from purely economic standpoint. Oh, here is, we go. So why we
0: have Lucas on the podcast? <laughs> I rang from, the, uh, listen. I rang the bell out. That's
2: true. <laughs> from from a purely economics standpoint here i mean the the choice has always been clear and this is sort of what i've been sort of telling people is is that we were never going to shut down enough to get rid of it because there wasn't enough money coming in to companies now we can argue about the the idea of uh, the stewardship of a company the moral obligation of a company to be good stewards of the society mm-hmm. in which they profit Um, But the the fact is clear is that these companies are largely fly-by-night operations that are charging $18 for a bag of popcorn that cost them a nickel, and somehow they're out of money in two months. These airline companies who are getting subsidies out the wazoo are out of money in a day, you know? So it it feels crazy to be talking about how AMC theaters can't last for two months with no income, and might I add – no employment, no concession expenses. Yes, they yeah. lost money the yeah, things that are been thing. sitting in storage. But they have their only expenses are rent. They're not buying movies. They're not signing new contracts. I mean, I know there's overhead. But how do you not have at least three – everybody tells us you have to be able to survive for three months with no income. Why is that not the same for these companies? They're making money hand over fist. All you have to do is is look at some of the margins that they're making on – it's an open secret how much they make on concessions, right? Yeah, so, I mean, so like
0: the beer and the soft drink industry like, is insane.
2: Like George Bailey, it's like, Where, where's the money? Where would you do with the money? You goddamn motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> that that's, wasn't.
0: That's, that's, in, that's the part from, of the movie you didn't from, see. Yeah.
2: <laughs> from from just an economic standpoint, it's like at, you should be the companies that are having trouble are the ones that are being exposed for not being responsible with their incomes and. For better there, – there are bad things about free market capitalism. I'm not going to argue that we are a free market. We're a mixed market at best. But the parts of the market that are free market, there are downsides. This is the downside, that you can make as much money as you can in a free market economy, but you can't hoard the money when times are good and socialize the losses when times are bad because that's not free market. So it, the free market will claim its victims – uh one way or another and right now amc looks like through their own choices they might potentially be a victim if they are so desperate for any income that they are willing to put the health and safety of a lot of people in this country at risk just to make a dollar and stay open for what two months until they have to close down half the theaters again
0: yeah that's I, i know i covered the bar and restaurant industry in new jersey for close to a decade and I saw these people, and I got I got why like DJs and bartenders and servers were all like we need to open. We don't have money. I understand mm-hmm. there, but it to me, I'm just like, yeah, the 150 dollars you're going to make DJing for like two hours is that worth your life? Like where you could potentially co- contract this virus, and people will say, well, if you look at the, you know the amount of people who contracted it compared to the population, who cares? It's way mm-hmm. too many. But at the same time, it's like, like. Those are like big, like you're saying, those big companies, like they should have had a plan where, and there, people were saying in New Jersey, why can't they just open right away? I said, because most of these people, spoilers, are fucking stupid and did not yeah. have a plan and did not clean and did, don't have outdoor dining. If they don't have a plan, that's the thing. Like you're saying, a lot of companies do not have a plan. Well, listen, no one plans for a pandemic and we were going to talk about this and I'll bring it up. Live Nation is like, hey, we might ask people, you know, bands to take pay cuts in 2021 uh, because of all the money we lost. Live Nation, you have billions of dollars. Where's the money? (laughs) Where's the money? Where's the money? And it's like these tours were canceled. Okay. You know, some people just, I I guess it's, I don't, I don't get it. It's like you have money wWE I'll take it for wrestling okay it, it, because this is what I always know they came out when this thing started it says we have half a billion dollar war chest of like cash allegedly they're the only wrestling company to fire people they're the only <laughs> wrestling company that does did not test the people they got their em- employees deemed to be essential workers they didn't test them outside of temp uh, like uh, temperature scans Someone got it, and then they had to shut everything down. It's just like you have all this, and they're about to make record profits and it's like you didn't have a plan, and now you're just sacrificing for
2: what nothing yeah it's it is it's it almost feels like the owners and the owning class uh are just kind of hiding some of their money away, and it almost sort no. of feels like the uh the people whose labor is creating that wealth um, are getting dropped off the boat at the first sign of a leak. And I don't know. I think if Pop Break wants to start a economics podcast that focuses on the <laughs> economics of the ruling class and versus the laborers, um, please let me know because <laughs> I will, <laughs> I will, I will release three episodes a day with all of the angst that I've had saved up for the last three months.
0: Yeah. So it's. Uh... Okay, let's let's ask the question. I think we already know the answer. Because I'll take the podcast back from Al. Is uh, Al, are you going to a movie this summer?
1: I'm stupid enough to do it. You are. I am, but again, it has to be perfect situation for me to do it. I mean, everyone has to be wearing a mask. I need to be like, um. You know, dead center with like three chairs empty to my sides like it really like I'll go see the latest showing by myself, you know, 2 a.m. tenant. Like I'll be there. I'm not going to go midnight opening night with a packed crowd because there is no fucking cure yet. So why am I going to risk it to that extent? But I am I am the person who will go see a movie on a Tuesday latest showing possible really no one there just to, just to go see the movie that I want to see, like, like a tenant. Like I I saw, I I actually rented King of Staten Island, um, the other day. And that is a movie that I will 100% gladly give my money to watch it VOD and enjoy it with, uh, you know, a few people at the house, uh, who, who I know don't have COVID. Um, but, the theater experience itself, uh, it's far from uh, normal. So I, I, I don't know. It's very up in the air. Uh, Lucas, uh, the P of Silent Jones. Uh,
2: that is a hard no for me. Um, I think that the theater experience for me has been going largely downhill as it is. Um, I think that and not even being sarcastic or like old man Jones here, like shit's just real expensive and you know it it to me it feels like i hate everyone uh i like you guys um but i'm not particularly fond of everything else or of everyone else so i don't know i i think that i'm gonna take some of the money that i normally would spend on like dinner and a movie dates and and throw it into a good sound bar for uh you know and and really get the 5.1 surround going and um You know, it's funny because one real quick story to get into old man Jones um, mode here is just that my grandpa, huge Yankee fan, hated going to Yankee games. And I said, you love the Yankees. You've watched them all your life. Why do you hate going to games? He goes, why should I give George Steinbrenner my twenty five dollars for two beers and a ticket? Which I mean, let's ignore that pricing scheme for a second. Uh, When I could buy a six pack of Budweiser for five bucks and sit in my recliner and fall asleep during the fifth inning. And. To a certain extent, I, I completely support that. I've got a, we've got a big TV. I'll invest in a sound bar. I've got a, like a, a comfy I couch. Come to <laughs> there, I mean, yes, I've I've got Al's old TV as my computer monitor. I'll have your old sound bar for it. It's, but no, I'm I'm not going. That's that's definitely not not worth it for me.
0: Yeah, for me, it's like, I'm on the opposite spectrum of Lucas, where it's like, dinner movie was that was my wife and I's that was our thing. That was our date night. Every time that, that was this, this is something from like our first date to 13 years later is like going out to dinner and going to see a movie is what we love to do. But mm-hmm. me personally, I'm just like, I'm high risk. I've mentioned that before. No, no thanks. Like uh, now, if you say I can go to a drive in theater, I will hundred percent go to a drive in theater. I think that yep. I think that's a super cool experience, and I really wish I had the money and I could open one up by my house because I know the perfect spot because it used to be a driving theater and it's just sitting there. But neither here nor there. Um, yeah, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it until I see the numbers start plummeting, until I see good like good plans in action. Something I need. I need. I like people are like, oh, you're going to get a haircut. Your hair's insane, and I'm like, yeah, I'll. I'll have my hair seven feet high. I don't feel comfortable going to get my hair cut. You know, I'll wait a few weeks to see how the numbers go, and if the numbers show there's been no spikes with all this stuff opening, I'll consider it. But only that's when I'll consider it. Like I'll wait. I'll grow Lucas. I'll get a luscious mane like Lucas (laughs) Silent B. Jones. You know, so that's it. that's That's a hard no for me for right now. You know, so. That sucks. Um, so that is seriously... What the fuck? Let's, uh, let's go on to something a little more positive, and that is a slice of fried gold. How's that for a slice of and fried now, gold? And Al, you discovered a slice yeah, of fried gold, boy. I think, though you didn't watch it until we started recording the podcast. Uh, and that is uh, recently James Corden um, hosted a, I want to say, six to eight person doctor who you know, costume contest, you know, uh, quarantine edition. Uh, Of course, if you don't know, James Corden is a multi-time Doctor Who um, guest star. He played Matt Smith's roommate. I always forget the name, but he was his roommate. And then in a a, a latter episode, they ran into him with his son, Stormageddon. And I thank Al for getting my daughter a Stormageddon onesie when she was born. Uh, That lasted for quite a long time. Uh, Because you got, like, the biggest onesie size possible. So it's good planning. Some people got it. I think it was like a one-size-fits-all Etsy kind of thing. Yeah, it was great. Um, So he hosted a a panel of people who had to make costumes uh, based on household items since it's quarantine edition. And to the surprise of the contestants, the uh, judges were David Tennant and Jody Whittaker. And this... To me, um, I got into Doctor Who, I want to say in 2000, hmm, 2011, when it first, like BBC America first starting in a clearance in the U.S., and um, I definitely, it, I think the first episode I saw was Let's Kill Hitler, which, um, one of the great episode titles of all time, and uh, yeah, been a fan ever since, and this was super cool to watch um, these fans, like, Get super creative and do it in front of two great doctors. I love Jody Whittaker as the current doctor and David Tennant is just the man. I mean, he's also Scrooge McDuck on DuckTales. Got to get that reference in. And, uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun. It's like an 11-minute and 50-second video. Definitely check it out. Um, Al, since this is fresh in your memory, uh, what did you think of uh, this slicer five gold?
1: Well, the first things first is um – I totally agree. I love Jodie Whittaker and David Tennant is probably my favorite Doctor. Yeah, because uh, he's the best. I, the first thing I thought of when seeing them because they're actually uh, good friends yes. in in real life, um, not just uh, in Hollywood life. She uh, they were uh, uh, Broadchurch. They were both in Broadchurch. Season yeah, season
0: one. So. and I want to say and, season two at least.
2: I uh, think maybe all, all three the,
0: all the seasons all three seasons I yeah. think her role varied though how much she was in it
1: she was definitely yes. heavily in season yes.
0: one maybe not as much in season three no
1: she was pre- yeah not as much as season three but she was ha- I think she was really heavily in season two yeah
0: because it was uh, all about no. that case and then the third season it was like uh, like the leftovers of that case plus a new case correct uh, yeah Lucas P. Jones S- of P. S- Asylum you should definitely check out Broadchurch Broadchurch
2: very good yeah, yeah, I think that's I, I think I've been been told about that. Not more than American once. I think, version.
0: Oh, don't do that.
2: No, I think Al's Al's garbage. list of shows I should be watching is as long as any list that exists. I know. Yeah. I have the same list.
0: He has the same list. <laughs> and maybe, uh, but, well, I'll, I won't spoil it later. But, okay. Exactly.
1: So um, I would love to see them specifically do like another day of the doctor. One, but my favorite just,
0: Doctor Who things fall time.
1: Me too. I would love to see them two meet up. Oh, that would be great. Like, I think they, the, the chemistry, because she is so much like him. Yes. Like, his portrayal of the Doctor in so many ways, and I think, like, she's very inspired by him, and obviously all the Doctors have a little bit of the previous Doctor in them. Of course. I really think that the episode between them would be great. Um, so, that's aside. This is really fun. Um, as someone who shoots cosplay, basically for a, a, a side living, side hustle. Uh, side hustle, side living is, my, is a phrase that I'm going to coin just now. Um, I I think this was really fun and 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 cute that you know they, they got a bunch of Whovians to do like these DIY, um, you know, only household materials like make a, a, a Doctor Who inspired cosplay. Um, I think we can all agree that the Ood was the best cosplay out of not that, that was my second favorite. I liked the person
0: okay. who won. It was the, the Wraith, or the Postic Wraith, where she basically did the uh, the cutout of him. And like,
1: then an iPad, right? But had
0: an iPad as the face to keep the face. I yeah. thought the iPad usage was super, super clever. Although the Ood with the guy just basically <laughs> holding ramen in his mouth for quite some time.
1: And just holding yeah. a glass of milk with a yeah. sharpie thing on it was great. I think that was more inspired. Like, I think the iPad is a cheat because you could use sure. that to be like. Yeah, I mean, but the, it's, the guy, clever, the guy though, who because... was, the guy who was going to be the face of Bo and was just fucking nothing. He could <laughs> use an iPad and be like, hey, "I'm the face of Bo." Like that would have been that would have you really know cheap, yeah. better. So I, I think I think the Ood is uh, definitely the winner. But like, I love that you know the late night show hosts are if they're not getting, if they're not being overly political, like the John Oliver's and mm-hmm. Stephen Colbert's and, um and um the Trevor Noah's like they're doing, you know, the Lord's work and they're being phenomenal during this time. But for who's not doing that, you know, the Fallon's the cordons doing stuff like this and shining. And, and I would even put Krasinski in that too. It's like putting like shining a light on, average joes and and fans and things like that and and putting a spotlight on them during this time um i think that's it's really great so i was a big fan of this yeah krasinski can sell all that good news for
0: millions of dollars um i you know what i love about this too is that like guy like tenant has never stopped embracing and enjoying the fact he was on the show exactly a lot of people like and i'm not just talking in the doctor who realm it's just like in general, like they're known for a part, and they will just try and distance themselves as much as possible. And Tennant's had a really good career post the show. Oh my god! Yeah, and
1: uh, as compared to a lot of other doctors, uh, I think they get so jaded. I mean, uh, Lucas's favorite mo- modern doctor, his favorite uh, is Eccleson, Yes, is um,
2: he's kind of just like, yeah, I've been there, done that.
1: I did my but season. He's now I'm done it to do uh, to do the cons now. Oh, yeah, because he wants to make that sweet, sweet cash. But uh, I think people would be more inclined to give you that sweet, sweet cash if you were more open to doing, you know, cool shit like
0: this. You and know, audio, and they're still doing audiobooks and They all. are. They're
1: doing. Yeah. Like, um, I think they just announced that Tenet is teaming up with the 10th or 11th. No, uh, 9th or 10th Doctor. Who's the one who did the one off Lucas? At-
2: Paul McGann is the eighth doctor Paul and Nicholson is, is the ninth doctor. Paul okay, so is
1: the guy who's in a lot, his doctor's in a lot of He does all the books.
2: audiobook stuff. He's yeah. doing
1: the part, he and Tennant are doing, uh, something. Yeah. Uh, an that's audiobook. Cool. So that's really cool. And like continuing these like, you know, c- crossovers and things like that. Um, I love that Tennant is so heavily involved in this. And like, he was a super fan before, right? Like, just like, what's his name? Um, just like uh, 13. 11, 12, 13. Yeah, uh, who's the 13th Doctor? Uh,
2: we No, with Tenet's 10, Matt Smith is 11, 12. his Face is 12. 12.
1: Yeah, Capaldi I'm trying 12. to say. Capaldi. So Capaldi was a fan from the beginning. Like, he was a fan from, like, the first season. Like, ultra fan. And, like, um, I love that. Like, I love that him and, and Tenet are so engraved into... Doctor Who, and I think it's it's like it's UK's Star Wars. Like it's like when you're in, you're in, and you kind of become a lifelong member, and you know people will care about you even if you weren't like beloved, and you can you can ride out that wave uh, through cons forever just from being you know the guy who. Didn't even voice Boba Fett, but was the stand-in body double. Like, you know what
0: I mean? Like, or you could become a famous late-night talk show host, and you were his roommate for two episodes.
1: That's right. That's so, right. And also, wasn't Craig Ferguson a, a giant Hoovian too? And also, was uh, I don't know. he was a Hoovian? Yes, he was a Hoovian, and he was in a band with Cabaldi? That doesn't surprise me. They're both Scottish, right? I, think I, that don't, was
0: a- I don't know. I, they might have. know, I, I think they were in a movie where they were in a band together.
1: No, I think they were in a band together. And I'm going to do this research as you talk to Lucas. <laughs> so Lucas does his homework. Um, what did you
0: think of this slice of pride goal?
2: So I don't watch a lot of late night TV, yeah. um, but it was uh, it was interesting. I mean, it was it felt like a departure from the format, which is really nice. Um, I was a huge fan of the oud. I think just the the glass of milk and the the dry ramen was such a touch. I also really liked the Cyberman, yeah. which was a face of tinfoil and a Dyson bladeless fan and with like great yeah. and headphones. Yeah, which is honestly like they they made the joke in the episode that it's not that far off from the original Cyberman. Um, yeah, no, I, I like it. I mean, I fell off with the, I got into Doctor Who in college. Um, somebody showed me uh, Blink which I think is a lot of people's introduction to the series. Um, I really fell in love with Chris Eccleson. I like Paul McGann. I think I'm focused. I like the whole war doctor mystique sure. um, because the older episodes, like he's a nice guy. I mean, some of the doctors are kind of a jerk, which like is fine, but I think that's interesting. I fell off of it around the Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, Matt Smith era. Oh,
0: I love – yeah, I like that episode. way too
2: goofy for me.
0: I like that episode, but there's a part with Matt Smith that just really fell off.
2: Yeah, it's like the Power 3, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, that weird half season. I just – I fell away from it. But um, Jodie Whittaker, Mm -hmm. um, I I think from what I've seen – clips of her performances. Her performances are really, really good, and so I think I might get back into it, especially since Doctor Who is going to be HBO Max.
0: Yes. That which was
2: I've good. accidentally back-ended myself into... Ha- I've, I've tried to cancel it, like, five times, and then they'll be like, but then Watchmen's coming out, and you're like, ah, right, well, I guess I'll hang on to it, and then they've just been, like, adding more stuff, and I've, I've kept it. Um, but I, this is cool. I really liked it. I, I thought it was great to have them on as well. Um, I would like to see... I think Jodie Whittaker, um, Peter Capaldi, and then either McGann or Eccleston in a Day of the Doctor type thing. Because I, I did like Peter Capaldi. I thought he brought a very yeah, cool, dry... Al- yeah, Al and I were
0: both on the Capaldi train for
2: sure. Yeah, he his the episodes I've seen with him were very, very cool um but I, yeah no i got a huge kick out of the ood. the Cyberman was like a throwback to the glory days of 60s sci-fi yeah. when it was like how do we make the sound of a laser hit a high tension wire with a wrench and like that's that's how they did it very true
1: i would uh yeah I'll... dream boys was a punk band with peter capaldi and mr craig ferguson there you
0: go i'm sure i've yeah. listened to them on spotify
1: uh, they were uh, in nineteen, uh, looks like nineteen eighty. They released a three-song vinyl. Uh, but yeah, that actually happened. I remember watching uh, the the clip of Craig Ferguson like having Peter on the show and talking about like how they've known each other since then.
0: Uh, I think Baldi, like, like he's super underrated. Like his first season, I don't think they really knew what to do with him too well. And then like because they were trying to make him this cranky doctor, the antithesis to Matt Smith, and then I felt like. Once he got the sunglasses, I think they really found um, a good uh, groove for him. But I think his final season with Bill, um, as the as the uh, companion, was was excellent. And uh, I think a lot of people slept on that so, Al, I don't know if you've seen that season. Or not. I did. Oh, you did. It took you. It took yeah, you yeah. A minute. yeah, yeah. But that's a great. It season. did. Uh, yeah. And so all the doctor who's the Eccleston to Whitaker right now is on HBO max. If you have, so HBO max, the weird thing, do you have it? Do you not have it? Go to hbomax.com. There's like, you know, FAQs on if you have it or not. If you have FiOS right now and you have, um, HBO, Ma- HBO in your subscription, um, you get it. I have it. So yeah, there's a lot of people. If you have HBO go or HBO now, you can get HBO max. There's some cool stuff in there. Um, all right. So that was Slice Pride goal. Now it's time for music in a time of quarantine. Yeah. <sighs> I'm tired. Of Love it. it. Yeah. I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't put all the bass into that one. Um, <laughs> Love gonna, it. Uh, Lucas, what's, what's some stuff you're grooving to right now, man? Um,
2: well, I've got uh, a new thing and then a the throwback thing. Um, right. My new thing is one of my favorite artists, Devin Townsend. Um, who is so insanely creative and is so funny and is so unapologetically Canadian. Yes, um,
0: he is. <laughs> We've interviewed him it, on the site.
2: Yes, uh, I've, I've enjoyed that immensely. He's he's incredible. Um, I accidentally, my first time seeing Gojira, now huge heavy metal guys, had no idea who Gojira was but went to go see them because Devin was opening for them. Um, and so that was my first experience with Gojira as well. But yeah, so Devin Townsend, is just doing improvisational guitar and yeah. streaming it on YouTube. Um, he did one a week or two ago. He just released his second one. It's just chill Vibes.com, basically. Like He's he's done some great work with um, TC Electronics and their Reverb pedals um, for the music nerds out there. They He's created the downloadable patch that you can beam to your pedal by making your phone make noise into your guitar and it programs your pedal for you. Um, And he's created like reverb and delay effects and he's just a real spacey dude. And he just likes playing guitar and jamming along. He uses cool reverb, cool effects and it's nice. It's chill. Um, It's, you know, obviously it's not any lyrics. So that's good too. Um, So it's just like a really nice, like work vibes. If you're doing some stuff, you want something in the background, but if you're a musician, just to hear the, the path that he travels in his improv is really cool. Um, so I would check that out. That's streaming on YouTube. I've also been re-listening to a lot of Megadeth lately. Yes.
0: Um,
2: and it, it got kicked off by the Onion article, which is always great, which is uh, humanity still producing music like Rust in Peace was never invented. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's which, a
0: great article title.
2: Um, but I, I've been re-listening to 2016's Dystopia, uh, which is incredibly um, relevant, even more so. Uh, Dave Mustaine noted anti-government, sometimes Republican, sometimes Libertarian. Um, all of his music is anti-government. All of his music is anti-war um, with like killer solos in it. So it really hits everything. It hits me where I live. Um but dystopia i mean going back and listening to it it's 12 tracks it's 50 minutes it came out four years ago that thing rips every single song is just fire in its own way too like there's there's some slow songs uh there's a song he wrote um, about his mother um, who has alzheimer's there's songs that he wrote about um you know the the I mean, I think he I mean, I think at the time he probably wrote them about like the Democrats and Obama. But depending on your worldview, it's definitely um, applicable now where like songs like The Emperor Has No Clothes, The Threat Is Real, Foreign Policy. These songs are like the riffs are there and the lyrics Megadeth fans know the lyrics are not always the best, but the riffs are there. The solos are there. The tempo is really, really cool. Um yeah, and it's actually Kiko Loreo's first album that he ever recorded with the band. So he recorded some certain solos, but most of the guitar work is done by Dave alone, um, Dave Mustaine. Uh, but Kiko Loreo, I saw him live. He is just, he's effortless. It feels like he's playing these solos at 60% speed. He's incredible. But yeah, I, I think if you're a Megadeth fan, if you're a heavy metal fan, Megadeth has been so incredibly consistent throughout their entire career. Like, when Slayer and Metallica and even Anthrax sort of fell off in the '90s a bit, I'll just read Megadeth. That just fall off. <laughs> yeah, that that is true. I mean, Megadeth had had. I mean, you could you could argue that Risk was a little bit dicey in 03. What do you mean, um, Moto
0: Psycho wasn't like a it wasn't an all-time
2: classic? <laughs> there's the thing is even their bad albums have great songs on them and yes megadeth had had some weird moments with like united abominations but i feel like megadeth megadeth and judas priest are two bands who are finding their second wind um and dystopia from four years ago holds up it rips it tears um and it's 50 minutes so it's it's a quick listen start to finish
1: So um, I'll be quick with my pick this week. I actually listened to a new song, which I, I really haven't in the last couple weeks. Um, this was brought to my attention by my friend. I'm not gonna name names, uh, but Doves is a really great band. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, released their first new song in 11 years um, and it's called Carousel carousels and it's excellent Um, also it's uh will oliver of uh we all want someone um he is the one who recommended and and brought it to my attention i love this band um ever since i first heard um there goes the fear on 500 days of summer which is one of the best uh movie soundtracks out there i agree yeah and uh they're just a solid band and um if you're if you like like that like British, UK sounding like even though Interpol is not British or UK, but like they have that just kind of like very different alternative sound um, like Elbow. I think doves are in that like same that. kind of realm. Elbow's great. Uh, yeah, this song's a banger and it just like makes you wish that they hadn't waited until 11 years to release something new. And uh, I'm excited for new music. And uh, yeah, that's my pick this week.
0: Um, I am going to go with an older pick, uh, albums over a year old, but it's something I've been listening to a lot during the pandemic while doing work. Uh, the band is called the Budos band. Um, the album is five. Uh, It's just the letter V, but five, um, they are an instrumental kind of, oh, kind of hard to describe, but like, kind of like. Ethery funk jazz rock metal acoustic um, uh, instrumental band. Um, I'm trying to see if like there's a uh, like a lot of people say there's a lot of like uh, Afro beat Afro soul type in there too. So uh, it kind of like uh, gets the spectrum of music fans. If like if you like a harder edge thing, it's like it's not jammy where it's just like kind of light and airy. It has like it has some grooves to it. It has some heaviness to it uh has some darkness to it, uh a lot of texture in what they're doing and like um the song I'm gonna pick is Old Engine Oil, which is I think the uh the first track off the record. Uh super great. They have like a really fat horn section. They've got like these great um almost ripped out of a nineteen late sixties, early seventies type uh orchestral vibe to it. So yeah. Super good. Um buddy of mine used to be their road manager. He turned me on to them. They played Jersey a bunch. Um yeah, Budos Band, B U D O S. So, yeah, if you're like good workout, uh, lawnmowing, writing type music, it really drives and has some interesting kind of cinematic qualities to it. Uh, I really recommend Five by Budos Band. Now, we're going to get into the watch list, which is, you know, our weekly, hey, whatever I've been watching that we want to recommend to you. And I'm going to start it off because Al's going to laugh because. I followed up on Al's suggestion, although I can't remember a damn thing he said about it but from last week, and I have started watching Shit's Creek. Uh, spit take. Spit take. I actually followed one of Al's recommendations. Holy uh, shit. I know. Well, my wife wanted to watch it, so she watched the whole series within like three or four days. That uh, makes sense. I caught episodes. So I've seen random episodes from all five seasons, and uh, or six seasons, I should say. Yeah. and uh I'm now starting from season one, but still watching random episodes that my wife watches uh I really loved love the series um it's funny um it has like a good heart to it it could be traumatic but not in a dramatic way like there is like a seriousness to it that's heartfelt um uh, my two favorite episodes so far I think might be from the same season um and there have been stuff I haven't seen yet, is uh, when uh, Patrick proposes to David and... Uh, the Spoiler. Cab- okay. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen it... You spoiler have- alert. Spoiler for a show that's over. Um, yeah. And then the cabaret uh, episode.
1: Oh, yeah. Those are from season five? Five. five. Yeah.
0: yeah, because it... Yeah. And so the, I think the cabaret episode is actually the finale of season five. Um, yes. Yes. Because I love the scene that, um, where Moira is like talking to Stevie. backstage. stage oh, yeah. It's such a great moment. Because Catherine O'Hara's character, Moira, is so fucking bizarre. Oh, yeah. And, it's amazing. And the baby. <laughs> like, it just, <laughs> the, the, ri- the <laughs> Like, just the random yeah. accent she throws in. But then that's like one of the very few times she's very serious and very sincere and very much herself. Uh, I think. Dan Levy is just like watching him on screen is like, I get it. He's supposed to be a jerk at times, but I also love him dearly. Like his mm-hmm. character is amazing. Uh, Lucas, have you watched this Creek?
2: I haven't. I think you um, would
0: enjoy it. Cause like, it, yeah, the first season is a little bit, uh, because I think the show is trying to find its way to is it's, it takes a little bit to get into.
1: It doesn't okay. take too long. No, no, honestly. no, no, no,
0: it doesn't. But, like, the first couple episodes, you're like, ah, you know, but then when you win it, it, it'll hit its stride, and it's good. Chris Elliott's really funny in it. Uh, Oh, yeah. I love Eugene Levy in it. Uh, There's so much. I think my favorite character outside of uh, Dan Levy's character, I think, would be Stevie. Yeah. She's she's one of my favorite characters in it. And, like, there's a a really, it's a surprisingly good heart to this show. mm -hmm. Because when you watch the trailers, it's just like, oh, this is just going to be a dark comedy. Mm -hmm. and everyone's going to be shitty to each other but there's actually a good heart to it and I actually watched there's a if you watch it on like the pop TV app for season six or somehow if you Mm -hmm. can get it there is a making of oh that's great and it was basically like how and I'm a big fan of this director and his work is like they were talking to Gene Levy he says my son came to me and he said I want to make something like you and Christopher Guest did with uh, Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show and A Mighty Wind and I love those three movies. I'm a big fan of the. Uh, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen those, but it's just Catherine O'Hara's in it, and it's basically like, like it's like a lot of the Spinal Tap crew is in it. Catherine O'Hara, um, mm-hmm. Michael, like it's it's like the like team. That SCTV people, right? Yeah, basically. it's a lot of Canadians. It's a lot of Canadians, yeah. and it's they're all mockumentaries, like. Uh, Waiting for Guffman is about a local theater company. And that's where Fred Willard uh, really broke out from, was from uh, Waiting for Guffman. Um, and then A Mighty Wind is a parody of uh, folk music, like a reunite of uh, like a folk music group. And Invest Best in Show is insane. It's about uh, dog shows. And uh, they all, it's, it's just all these mockumentaries. And they're brilliant. If you have not seen those three, and if you've watched Schitt's Creek and you love Schitt's cool. Creek, Definitely go see those. Those are the inspirations for Schitt's Creek, but yeah, Schitt's Creek's great. I'm getting through it, and um, Al, thank you for recommending that. So you can do victory lap right now. Uh, I I will post podcast, oh, and um, uh, I will just give one more recommendation since it was made free this weekend. Uh, and if you haven't watched it, um, Watchmen on HBO, uh, amazing show. Uh, a lot of people. If you want to learn about the Tulsa, like this is where I, a lot of us found out about the Black Wall Street and the Tulsa bombings that happened in 1921 I believe Um, that's where a lot of people were educated about this I sure as hell was I thought it was fictional and then you find out it's real it's one of the craziest things you ever heard because a lot of people no one really talks about it Um, so it's an amazing show and very relevant to our time so uh, LPGA what do you got
2: uh, well, what's interesting uh, is that I was a history major and a political science, I hist- double majored in history and political science in college, and I didn't even learn about that. Um, so there you are. want to talk about failings of the system. Uh, leave it to leave it to HBO's Watchmen to to really complete my hundred thousand dollar double major. Um, so uh, if I had known, I could. Yeah. H- HBO is 1099 a month. Could have saved a lot of money. Um but yeah, so I've been I've been watching um, a lot of golf, a lot of NASCAR, uh, the first two sports to come back. Um, but you in know, terms of no
0: wrestling, came back, right?
2: <laughs> I, I just never got into it. I'm my mom, my, my mom did never let us watch it growing up. So I never, like, got into it. Um, I'm
0: going to cha- I'm gonna have to grill you a steak and change your mind. <laughs> <life.
2: laughs> I'm willing to learn. Yeah. Um, so, I have been watching besides those two things um, we just watched Hannah Gatsby's special in the net on Netflix um, Hannah Gatsby I was just introduced to literally on back to back nights. so I watched her first comedy special, um, which is really funny and sort of deals with um so different things in, in her life. And I, I find I've been getting into these comedy specials where I think I can never remember his name. And, and Al, hopefully you can Google the name of the comedian. Three mics or three microphones I may have talked about it in the last podcast. Um, but I feel Neil like Brennan. I, Neil Brennan. Thank you. Um, these these comedians who are not really afraid to dive into their own issues like i like the jerry seinfeld observational comedies i saw jerry in atlantic city i loved it he was astoundingly good um but these comedians who are not really afraid to like dive into some real personal shit where it's like half comedy half sort of real life um yeah. that's kind of hannah gatsby really rides that middle line where she talks about some of the issues she's faced growing up in a comedic sense um so i really enjoyed that i've been watching snow
0: uh, uh, the show? I love the show. I reviewed the first episode and I mm-hmm. really loved it. I just haven't got a chance to watch anything else. I love that first episode. Did you see the movie?
2: Yes. Yeah, huge I, fan of the movie. The
1: movie's great. Um, Al, I, that's a really yeah. good movie. It's quite, oh, I, lo- should, I, I love this. I love the movie. Oh, okay. I, just, I, I, I haven't mm-hmm. watched the show.
2: The show is – you. you could not have picked a better cast – You could not have asked for a better movie to TV adaptation than you are currently getting on TNT. I mean, I I really cannot sing the praises of that show enough. If you liked the movie, you'll love the show. Honestly, if you if you haven't seen the movie, not a bad idea to get started with the show. You know, it's the the themes are simple. Um, You know, it's it's the haves and the have nots on a train circling the world in an apocalypse. And it's very relatable because the dynamics are literally the world we're living in today. Um, I I think it's one of the reasons why they they moved the date of the premiere up yeah. almost three weeks probably because they were like, now more than ever in these challenging times, exactly. the people need Snowpiercer. Um, but yeah, yeah that's a uh, bold
0: move he, for TNT. That's not a, yeah. That's not a very that's not an easy property to sell to no. a TNT audience.
2: Mm-hmm. And they've got it on late at night. I like this trend of showing the previous episode. Before the new episode or no, the new episode twice they started off with. And yeah. now they're doing the old episode, then the new episode. Um, it's incredible. It's you you, you know, I, I record it on YouTube TV um, and then just watch it back usually Monday morning. Um, but yeah, it's it's just incredible. Um, also, I I want to talk really briefly. Did you guys not enjoy Space Force?
0: Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't watch it. So Because I, I
2: loved it. I thought it was Alina, great. Now, like,
0: there's a lot. You're in the minority, I think, for a lot yeah. of people.
2: That, uh, yeah, because
0: no one's talking about that show.
2: No, mm-hmm. it's it was. I
1: think so. I didn't finish it. I, I, mm-hmm. do, I do plan to still finish it. I think I went like a little over halfway through. Um, my issue was it was it was just like it didn't know what it wanted to be. Right, like I think I think the issue was if Greg Daniels created the show and was spearheading it and everything. I think it would have been a little, it would have had a little more direction mm-hmm. with Carell's involvement and especially like developing like the character.
2: Mm-hmm. It,
1: um, and I'm kind of stealing this from someone, from someone else's review. And it's, it really made sense to me when like, I was thinking about it was like his character was kind of a buffoon, but at the end of every episode, he would say like this, like rousing intelligent speech mm-hmm. that would make, everything that he said before kind of irrelevant. And like, there's a lot of funny ish moments, but like, I think everyone's being underutilized in some Mm -hmm. way. Like John Ralphio kind of steals John Ralphio, uh, Ben Schwartz steals every scene that he's in, Mm. but not to the extent that he could be. I think John Malkovich is wasted. Uh, I, I just don't see I I think I know what they were trying to do, but I don't think they have executed Mm -hmm. it properly. It seems a little rushed. Like that's, I mean, I think they were just trying to get the show out as quickly. as I honestly had no Mm -hmm. desire to see this. Like, I remember we talked about, I'm like,
2: Mm -hmm. this
0: trailer came out and I was just like, man, this is something Steve Carell has been real hit or miss recently. I feel like it's just like, and I'm looking at this. I'm like, yeah, they're trying too hard. This is, this is a try hard show. That's what the show should have been called, Try Hard with Avengers. <laughs> it's just like, oh, i did not even pay attention to that joke. Uh, <laughs> son of a bitch. Uh, I liked
2: it. I'll laugh, I'll laugh for him I too. I appreciate
0: man. that you got that. But yeah, it just looked like a Try Hard show. And I was like, eh, I don't really
2: give a shit. I, yeah, I, I get that. I understand it. I I think one of the things that sold it for me is like it's eight episodes. You know, I think they short recognized – Short Yeah, run, like, short episodes. I, I think they recognized – that they were trying to find their footing. It's a short season, short episodes. John Malkovich is a national treasure and must be protected at all costs. Okay. Um, I'll he is, that. it's absolutely just uh, uh, incredible. Schwartz is great. Carell, I think will find it in season two. Yep. He sort of strikes me as that character. If there is one, um, I just I think a friend of mine is watching it and, and thought that the funniest part was how they continuously make fun of the Coast Guard, uh, because apparently that's a real thing in oh, yeah. the armed services <laughs> that people just mock the Coast Guard. Um, I, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was funny. I thought it's like it's like classic first season of television. Right. You look at the first season of Star Trek, the next generation, almost unwatchable. Yeah. The remaining six seasons of the show. Once Riker grows that beard, it's incredible. And I think Space Force just has to find that beard moment where they kind of figure it out and right. then kick it off. You know, well,
0: my, going. You know the, everyone needs a beard moment. <laughs> I mean, Al was pretty much a, just a skinny little boy. And then he grew a beard and all of a sudden now he's swollen. <laughs> now and he's a there.
2: skinny little boy with a beard.
0: Oh, he's uh, – <laughs> we both know he's, he's put on some LBs. He's put on he's put on some masks since we first yeah. met him where he looked like it's a the... beanpole version of Andrew Garfield. Um, You know what else I'm going to put on? Uh, I'm I'm recording right now as we speak is uh, the new Perry Mason, which was produced and developed by Robert Downey Jr.'s Matthew Reese from The Americans is going to be it. And it's not like, here's Perry Mason, the lawyer. It's just like it looks a little more dark and dirty. Not like dirty in the sense of like it's X-rated. It's just like a little more crime drama, a little more noir, a little more classic a knock around detective type piece so I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes i'm reviewing it for the site so um probably by the time this podcast stuff but al um since you've been paying so much attention you you spilt a beer on your computer and you, you decided to turn all the air conditioning on in your house and just <laughs> just been a complete belligerent but beautiful man uh what is your pick for uh this week for the watch list
1: Yeah, so I uh, gave a little sneak preview of my pick this week uh, earlier in the pod when I mentioned The King of Staten Island, uh, Judd Apatow's latest film starring Pete Davidson. Um, You've probably seen the trailers, you know, probably the biggest summer comedy that uh, went straight to VOD, did not, uh, you know, did not wait for a theatrical release. Uh, Definitely the smart play, uh, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, I thought the film was Really solid. I think Pete Davidson gave a great performance. It's basically uh, he's playing like a, you know, a, a fantasized version of himself. Uh, he's not a stand up comic or, or an actor this time around. He is a tattoo artist and kind of just uh, dealing with like the time in his in his life where he's like 24 and he doesn't know what he wants to do. And uh, it's, he's basically surrounded by a phenomenal supporting cast, including uh, Marissa Tomei, who plays his mother, Bill Burr, who plays uh, his mom's new boyfriend, and uh, who is a, a, a fireman. And uh, the always-welcome Steve Buscemi, who plays, like, the all, fire chief. Talk about a national treasure. Uh, at, like, protect him at all costs. He is the best. Um. It's a solid, solid film. Um, definitely higher ranked in like the Apatow films. I'm um, I a mean, huge directed films. Yeah, he's produced a million comedies, and and you can you could say that he's produced probably better comedies than he's actually directed. Well, I, uh, I, some might I say think that. I have said this on the podcast. You <laughs> definitely have. Um, I I always loved Apatow. I'm a huge fan of his films, and I think this is great. He's he's great at discovering young talent right as they're blowing up and giving them like p- making a vehicle for them to like launch their career. He did it with, uh, Seth uh, he did it with Seth Rogen. He did it with um, Kumail Nanjani with uh, the big sick. He produced the big sick um, and Trainwreck, wreck the last, you know, the last film uh, that he did before this. And this is a long time uh, in between films too but he's been wanting to do something with uh, Pete Davidson for a while. And he finally did it. You know, this is basically for all intents and purposes, like Pete Davidson's kind of our generations. I know this is gonna be really rough that I'm about to say this kind of our Adam Sandler in a little bit. Like it's just, he had not, not saying star power, obviously Adam Sandler's humongous, but like he's that like weird SNL character that people like love, but I think he's one. He's gone a different route, and I think just Apatow's kind of attracted to like his brand of comedy, just like people were attracted to Sandler's. And you know, obviously, um, Apatow has a as a giant history with Sandler. He was like lifelong friends with him, and uh, roommates, and of course was a big part of like you know his life in uh, career as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I don't know if I'd rank this. In the top three, but definitely top five AbsTaff films. Um, but I thought it was solid. I, Bill Burr steals the the show in every scene. But Pete really pulled his own. It's, he's he's he he plays a really challenging character in this, and he nails it honestly. Um, and Buscemi's the man. Just give Marissa give Marissa Tomei more things to do because guess what? She rocks in every scene. I just want to see more of her, and she needs to like stop playing the mom and everything.
0: Yeah, she's great. I, I, always, I always say go watch her in The Wrestler. Amazing. Oh, my
1: God. Also, She's so good in The Wrestler. Yeah. Uh,
0: all right. So that is the watch list. And now we're going to yeah. close it up, uh, kind of tying back, almost tying back into the first segment here. Uh, what? Yeah, I, trust me, it was not planned. Uh, mm-hmm. It was, it, it's our uh, glimmer of hope.
2: Glimmer of hope. Oh, boy, oh, boy.
0: Oh, by the way. Uh, before getting to the climber of hope, I did see the episode of Schitt's Creek, where we get our soundbite from for seriously, what the fuck? Thank God! Oh, it's so it's so good. I like I yeah. laughed extra hard. Um, that that episode is also amazing. Um, yes. It is. Uh, it was in a recent. Uh, it was recently reported that uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo is going to allow the New York Yankees and I uh, the New York Mets to start doing a spring training. Uh, activities to resume in their stadium soon. Um baseball man if there's any sport out there that just knows how to kick itself right in its own groin it's baseball. Like they have not been able to get their shit together and this is getting so late. Lucas is salivating. Oh, here we go. It is like it, it is like they could have announced so many things they're they're dying to have young audiences and new audiences, how do we gain viewers, yet has had the most public turmoil to even come to a resolution of how to do this season. Uh, I've had more fun playing uh, MLB The Show with my 20 with my brother-in-law. My character jacked a 425-foot home run. Yay, me. Um, I, I don't know. Baseball is just kind of getting ridiculous at this point. Like I want to watch it, but at the same time, it's like, they just need to get their shit together. Uh, and, and I guess it goes back to the earlier argument of, you know, will any of us be going to a baseball game? Probably not. They're probably going to have empty stadiums, um, but I guess I'll be glad to have it back, especially if it's a shortened season where our games mean a lot more. So, Lucas, I, I don't want to hold you back. I feel like you're <sighs> a dog on a leash who, who's just seen another dog and wants to tear after it.
2: Let's. You're like Hops talk. when he sees my kneecap. Let's talk about the mail. I've been dying to talk about the mail. Uh, Amazing. Um, let's talk baseball. Good grief, Charlie Brown. Um,
0: I feel it's like crack you crack open a drink. We're going to school.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm working my way through this bottle of bourbon, and I might have to pour myself another glass. And here, baseball. Here comes someone
0: you know who knows a lot about baseball behind you.
2: Baseball. Yeah, seriously. uh base i invited her in specifically for this part of the discussion for this drunken rant uh baseball is (laughs) a an incredible game that has stood the test of time it is beautiful in its purity um and it is being run into the ground by a team of cruel lawyers who don't understand anything about what regular people are like Rob Manfred is nothing more than a soulless puppet with 30 <laughs> hands up his butt, it's who are controlling purpose. his mouth and moving him around. Jesus um, those owners, I understand what they are protecting. They are protecting their investment. But as we started this podcast with talking about how with every reward, there is risk. Uh, owning a team is owning a business, and owning a business comes with risks. And if you don't protect against those risks, there are downsides. I don't want to see any team like the Marlins or the Orioles go under um, by any means. I think they're they are teams that are in good spots. They have, you know, obviously Jeter's working for the Marlins and the Orioles are the punching bag of the AL East. Um, so we need them for some easy wins. But yes. um, it's it's been so disheartening to just watch the owners. Just. Just. Have no regard for for anything. I mean, they they're just going, and the players said they wanted, you know we want x number of games at one hundred percent salary. And the owner said, Well, how about those games at seventy percent salary? And the baseball players said, No, we want one hundred percent salary. And the owner said, We hear you. We hear you saying one hundred percent salary, but would you take seventy percent salary' <sighs> And the baseball player said, no, we want 100 percent salary um, or we won't talk to you. And the owner said, I hear you. I understand. I, too, feel pain. Would you accept 70 percent salary? Um, and then the baseball player said no, and we're done talking to you. And the owner said it's that Eric Andre two panel meme of him shooting the guest and going, why would why would the baseball players do this? Um I get that the the players' union can be demanding. I understand that the contract negotiations for the CBA are coming up next season, and this is basically playing out as the the if this is the Kansas Nebraska battle for the upcoming civil war. Um, Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, welcome, welcome to my version of of the, the pot break podcast. Oh my God. Um, this is the border battle for the civil war. I understand that, but. Baseball had a real opportunity to be the first sport back. They had such an opportunity to grow the game with people who were desperate for any sport. It is the perfect sport for people who are home all day. These games take three and a half hours. Yeah. And what else are we doing? Right? So this this they had an opportunity. And I I fear that the public relations fallout from this will be on the level of the ninety-four strike. Where the fans are just so disheartened by what they saw, where they saw the players whose labor is creating the wealth that baseball owners enjoy. Get just they're just the owners try to manhandle them. And it's it's been shitty to watch. And a ton of people's jobs are on the line, not just in stadiums people who work for the network, people who work for the league, people who work in you know different aspects of, of coverage. And it's, it's just been really, really tough to watch the game get held hostage and people's jobs get dangled over the line because the owners don't want to pay players 100% salary, which I might add is prorated for 60 games. So if a player is making 16, uh, $16.2 million to make the math really easy – they're only going to make 6 million, right? Because they're making the same amount per game just for less games. So they're, they're all going to make less money. They were all okay with making less money, but then the owners wanted deeper cuts. I understand the owners are in a tough spot. It's extremely disheartening to see the way it has happened. That being said, I will wrap up my long winded comments by saying I am greatly encouraged by the progress that has happened in the last two days. Um, both sides seem to be nearing a conclusion where where now they're just figuring out the number of games. Um, I think the one thing that will that I'm hopeful for, to bring it back to glimmer of hope, is that I'm hopeful that the season will go well and nothing bad will happen, and the contract negotiations will go well next year, and baseball will avoid the kind of glaring scar that it took in
0: ninety four yeah, I stopped watching ninety four. You did. Because uh, if you remember, the Yankees were actually really good that year. Mm-hmm. And then the season ended. Yep. And I had grown up, unlike a lot of people, I grew up watching that 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93 Yankees who were god-awful. Mm-hmm. Andy Hawkins losing a no-hitter. <laughs> you know, like, that bad. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? It's just like, I, I watch a lot of shitty Yankees. And when they, when they struck, I was like, well, I'm done. You know, I'm I'm done. Yeah. And then I came back when they won in 96 because my dad was super hyped. He hadn't seen them win a title since the 70s. So, like, I got back into it. But it was like, yeah, it was a few years off where I took there. And baseball really could, with all that you said, Mm -hmm. if baseball basically comes out tomorrow and says, guys, July 15th, we're ready to rock and roll. We have, and here's all the plans in place, everything's good to go, baseball looks great. All that, that is, that is the tonic that that needs. That's, that's, that's the medicine that makes everything go away. Because then we know July 15th we have baseball. Because we don't have any of the other sports right now because basketball is now in limbo. We don't know if basketball is going to come back. And that's for a very good reason because a lot of it's due to social change. And people are like, we're not sure if we want to do this, play the season. Baseball comes back, they look really good. And I think they're going to gain, I think they would gain all those fans. Yep. And I think people would forget about baseball constantly kicking themselves in the ground. You know, they'd be like, great. Ah, the Yankees are back. Especially when you see guys like Garrett Cole it's like, I'm going to drive to Yankee Stadium when there's no one there and I'm going to get a guy to catch and I'm going to warm up. I'm going to get ready. People are itching for it. So, you know. And then people are going to tune into the network. They're going to they're going to tune into their local mm-hmm. shows, and they're, they're, the ratings will be there. And then, eventually, it'll all come back up because I think live sports will—it's mm-hmm. always been a ratings juggernaut, and it will be a ratings juggernaut when
2: it comes back. Absolutely, and and the the one thing that's that's you know, especially when you talk about like the 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 money that comes into the league from the TV contracts is so essential. You know, and the, and the money that comes in from the televising of the games. Um, I will say this as a Yankee fan. Um, if the Yankees play a 60 game season, they're winning 50. Um, I I would put that out there right now um, take that money. because the Yankees have always struggled with the five man rotation. If we can take that fourth and fifth starter, turn them into an opener and a closer and run a three man rotation headed by Garrett Cole. The Yankees are going to win 50 games. And I don't think there's a team in the league that could stop a healthy Yankees team um, from just running roughshod over the entire major league. And I, I think if the season is half the length, we celebrate the World Series championship twice as hard to make up for it. Um, rest in peace, everyone else from baseball, if we get back to this, because Yankees are, are going to the top.
0: Al? we lose
2: you.
1: No, no, I'm just, I'm, I, I was kind of blown away by Lucas's uh, rant. So I'm still kind of recovering from that. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, it's great. I mean, listen, I, I, I love sports as much as the next guy, but I mean, it Do just you? goes back to no, but it goes back to much, <laughs> Dude. it goes back to as much as what was, what we were saying with, um, with the, the seriously, what the fuck for this week is like, you know, It's if if we get to a point where, you know, testing and everything is like top notch, then, yeah, bring sports back, you know, go crowdless. That's fine with me. But like every other day, I'm seeing reports of like someone in hockey, someone in the NHL has uh, been just tested for covid. Um, you know, know, right when COVID started, we remember the basketball player who was jokingly <laughs> coughing into the mic, and like the uh, next well, day found out he had COVID. Bear.
2: Yeah, Go Bear. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, like, that's the shit that's gonna keep popping up and keep and and, and keep happening during this. So, like, but you know, we, but we, but I think what something we all brought up too is like baseball had
0: these 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 owners and the league. There is they have a lot of money. And they're, I like, even though, you know, money and greed and we want to talk to all about that, but they're also not a bunch of dum-dums either. I don't, I don't think they're going to want to put people's life on the line. I think they will be, especially if they're the first major sport to come back, like golf, you don't really need as stringent documented testing because you could space everybody out. Mm NASCAR is cars. You know what I mean? Like, and I know there's pit crews and everything. I, I get that. I don't want NASCAR, but I know the ins and outs. I've seen Days of Thunder. Um, you know. and But baseball, you have to. And this will be the first major American sport to come back, and people have to. We'll be like, we are putting you under a microscope. And we need to know everything. And I think they understand that, and I think you will see stringent testing. And if someone tests positive because they broke the rules... You know, they're going to be, I, I don't think baseball will be involved, fault. I think it'll be that, that player if they have these stringent rules and they break it. And, and I think they will do the right, at least I want to believe they're going to do go above and beyond to test mm-hmm. and do all this yeah. because it'll ruin them. It'll, you know, if, Hey, if the Oakland athletics all get COVID, which I don't want to, obviously I don't want to see anyone get it, but if they all got it and then teams, I mean, that's devastating. Mm-hmm. That's a whole team that got
2: it. Yeah. And, 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 and baseball nobody's, looks like
0: a bunch of morons.
2: Yeah. And nobody's making any money without baseball, right? So, I mean, the like, yes, the owner's profits are directly tied to smaller market teams like the athletics because there's profit sharing in of Major course. League Baseball. The owner's own MLB network. So all that great content that you see on TV day in and day out is funded by owner's profits. And so, like, yes, they are walking a fine line between the money that they make and the money that they spend, and a lot of people rely on that. But at the same time, it is the labor of the players that creates the product. The owners wouldn't have anything yeah, without the players in the field. And and that was the frustrating thing about watching these negotiations because the players and the owners, I shouldn't say the players, the Players Association spent so much time going back and forth with the owners about this 70% pay to 100% pay that right now they're in a panic trying to figure out what are what are even the testing protocols like what is even what we're doing so i mean things are hopeful and i want to reiterate that as terrible as i'm making it sound i am hopeful and i truly think baseball is coming back i think we're going to play 60 games i think we're going to be you know we're going to be playing the playoffs in the world series in some southern hub cities um and there's going to be aggressive profit sharing and you know you might see some expanded playoffs. I think they're talking about in the next yeah. couple of seasons. So I am genuinely hopeful there will be a season. I think there will be. Um, but it has it has been uh, it's been a roller coaster ride for a lot of people.
0: If baseball comes back, which I believe it will, America needs America's pastime. Yeah, mm-hmm. We're all saying football is America's, but, but I mean, there is something about baseball. Yeah, that is about as American as fireworks on the 4th of July when that comes back that will be a huge thing for the country and and, and, and again I think you're going to create a new generation of fans because we're all home and I think you'll create new fans and I think they they will see those young that young audience come to see watch baseball because it's new it's live it's different it's not Netflix, you know. People are running out of things to watch on Netflix. Trust me, I have a five-year-old. Um, you know, <laughs> it gets tight. So yeah, so I think we're going to see, and, and, and TV is going to be coming to a a point like uh, fictionalized TV uh, and even reality TV, where there's going to be no new episodes. People aren't filming right now, so a lot of stuff isn't done. So it's very important that uh, baseball comes back and. My climber hope yes, it does and it's gonna be it's gonna be really awesome. So that is the episode this week. Uh, join us. Fourteen weeks, Al. Fourteen weeks we've been doing this. Fourteen. Fourteen. Divide that by three. Like four and a half months, three and a half months? I don't know. Three and a half months. Um LPJ, uh, where can people find you off the grid?
2: Uh yeah, so people can find me off the grid. Um in two main places um if you want to hear more about um obscure civil war battles and my theories on economics you can find me at l jones 1138 on twitter um if you want to find out more about junior hockey and figure out just where the heck i'm gonna be on any given sunday uh you can follow at the underscore dan K Show on twitter instagram and also facebook we are expanding as we always do um we have a podcast as well now on spotify where we review um a coffee each week a beer each week coffee and beer that are easily accessible to parents and players uh well i should say the coffee is accessible to players the beer is accessible to the parents everywhere um and then we talk about junior hockey in a longer format. So it's at the underscore Dank Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.
0: Yeah, it's not the Dank Show, so it's not about it, memes or weed. It's about
2: initially, ops. initially we shied away from the Dank Show, but now we have done a complete 180 and have embraced it heavily. Uh, we got to give the people what they want, and they want they want a Dank Show, and that's what we have.
0: God damn son, Al. <laughs> Where do people find you on uh, Uh, all over the world? And uh, just let everyone know that, uh, you know, hire Al for any job that requires photography or writing, social media. He is the five-tool player that you need. Yes, Moneyball Reference, second week in a row.
1: Correct. Um, You can find me at Al Manorino on Twitter. You can also find me at Al Manorino on Instagram. I just posted a picture of a peacock. From the Cape May County Zoo, so that is where my life is at
2: currently. (laughs) You're you're a peacock; they got to let you fly.
1: That's right. (laughs) Um,
0: Before we get into the plugs for the site, uh, every week we've kind of been promoting a little bit of a charity right here. Um, Right now, as Al and I and Lucas were talking about, uh, right now uh, the Speak Out movement is happening in the world of Hollywood. Um, It's also obviously I talk about wrestling a lot; it's happening there. Very. Uh, very intensely. Um, there's a charity out there called RAIN, RAINN, R-A-I-N-N. Um, it, it it's a charity that helps victims of sexual abuse. Um, so please check out Rain.org if you have the means to donate. There's a lot of people out there, whether there's a movement going on or not, that this organization really benefits and really helps. So if you have the time and the money to donate, Please do. Thank you, um, and also just remember to be a good person. And if you see something bad going on, call that shit out. And we've we've all been trying to do that. Let's make the world a better place. Um, and also check your mental health too. It's 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 rough out there. I had to do that recently, and it, it really helped. And um, so that's my um, PSAs. But uh, check out ThePopBreak.com every day. We're back to our normal posting schedule. We've got a lot of stuff. We have a backlog of some things. So we've got some cool stuff coming out, a lot of podcasts, uh, a lot of reviews. So um, yeah, ThePopBreak.com, at PopBreak.com. On Twitter, our social media manager, Alicia, is posting a lot of great um, organizations that you could donate to uh, during Pride Month uh, to help um, uh, trans people. Um, so you can help them out because well we know all the legislation out there that is really um trying to hurt them uh so yeah check out at popbreak.com um on twitter forward slash popbreak.com all spelled out on facebook and at the popbreak on instagram we're going to be doing our uh, photographer curation series is going to be starting probably in the beginning of july again uh, obviously we started that at the end of may and then greater and more important things happened so we put a pause on that and we'll be returning to that in july so for the always reluctant and newly haircutted Al Mannerino, who cannot keep his beer in his glass, but puts it on his computer, and for a whiskey-sozzled Lucas P. Jones, who's going to be dropping some serious history references on his Twitter, my name is Bill Bodkin. Thank you for joining us for the 14th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast. <laughs>